have found Back Country and Barbells. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode, which is brought to you guys um, by our partners at the Sendivet Foundation. Guys, check them out. The Sendivet Foundation is focused on sending our nation's combat injured warriors on various outdoor adventures throughout the United States and the world. The volunteers, donors, and sponsors work diligently to provide the labor and secure the resources to ensure a safe and positive adventure experience. As a result, the program assists in the psychological recovery of our combat injured warriors. Guys, head on over to sendavet.org, send-a-vet.org. I know right now they're probably gearing up bait stations for the big Idaho hunt. So um, find out more how you can contribute. Uh, other partners are PR Lifting, quality fitness gear. PR Lifting takes pride and personal passion for gear, excellent customer service, and most importantly, being the place in the Pacific Northwest neighborhood to hook you up with what you need to achieve your next personal record. I know Jeremy's been working um, a sandbag option that they have. I love swinging their kettlebells. And um, there's also a host of other gear, squat racks, barbells. In fact, they donated a great barbell set at the Sendivet auction. So great stuff. And as mentioned many times before, great shipping options, especially if you are close to that I-5 corridor between Everett, Washington, and Portland, Oregon. Other thing you guys can do to support the show is check out the Backcountry and Barbells website. Um, on there, you'll find programming options. You can check out our base camp program if you want to start your home fitness journey. You can also check out past episodes. Uh, we've interviewed guys like Jason Phelps, Trent Fisher, um, Dennis Dunn, and we have some cool stuff down the pipe so check that out and the best thing you guys can do is uh review the show tell your friends tell your hunting partners what we're trying to do and um let us know what we can do better so without further um introing um today's episode jeremy and i discuss um hunting traditions i think we kind of relive some of the turkey tales from this past turkey season and um you know discuss the funner side of uh why we why we brave the woods and why we are chasing these critters around so enjoy the episode guys and um have a great one don't forget train hunt and live thank you very much howdy gang thank you again for tuning into back country and barbells uh joe shamanic jeremy day uh fine 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 morning here sir i know your windows are down mine are up but um however you're listening hopefully you are uh you're comfy and cozy and you can sit back and um Enjoy what we got going on today is a today's a fun little topic, Jeremy. But um, hey, you, you before show you said you were at a pretty cool little um, you know we like to talk a little junk here, but you were at a pretty useful uh, uh, retreat last night or something. Yeah, it was just a little training that they the the church threw on that was on raising your boys and um, basically how we're changing their DNA in a way by um kind of suppressing them from doing what they're naturally supposed to be. And that's hunter and gatherers for 99 and a half percent of history of man. We've been hunter and gatherers. And then we kind of went over into uh, agricultural for a little while and then the industrial revolution. So the last 200 years, it's really changed the way our boys are um, 
acting out there. Well, what would, where would you even consider us now? I mean, because we're not making stuff. We're not growing stuff. And we're definitely, most people aren't hunting and gathering stuff. So um, I don't even know what you would name the current uh the current epoch or whatever you might want to call it that we're in. Well, I think we're still in an industrial, re- re- um, the industrial revolution in the fact that our country really isn't is manufacturing is down, but the rest of the world is up mm. significantly. So America now we're more of a service and a consumer. So we we're the largest consumer in the world. Right? So, what happens with that is then service becomes the industry in America, but as a global look down, it's we're still in the industrial res- revolution. Look at look at you, look at you looking at the world through uh, through um, uh, uh, Rosie's not the one, but like uh, you know you're 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 thinking globally. I like where your mind's at, sir. That's good. Hey, uh, hey, good for good on hey, you. Hey, if you're gonna think big, brother. <laughs> Yeah, you yeah. might as well think really big. Yeah, yeah, awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, that's cool, man. You know, if, if you guys have been listening to the show at all, you can, you know, my perspective is I love that ancestral health model, and, and I think that all that plays a, a big role into it. Not to – it sounds like someone that it would be fun to have onto the show to, to discuss some of this with, and um, we'll follow up on that. But uh, if there was one – if there was one actionable takeaway from her discussion um, last night that – that will influence your parenting right now, uh, what would what would that be? Well, the biggest thing I took from it was that she said the biggest change in our boys is when we took them from being these playful guys outside and threw them in a classroom. Ugh. That's when the big change started because they're too high energy. And then what they did is they, they said, hey, you know, the females ended up being most of the teachers. So they're trying to teach everything through a female perspective. And as we all know, we're all wired We're females and males are wired differently. So the biggest takeaway really was that we suppressed them into a room, didn't allow them to move around much. And then we have people teaching them that don't really understand us per se as males. So they're teaching in their eyes of the female. Yeah. You know, there's another, um, there's another old girl that I picked up um, through the, the Rogan podcast, uh, Christina Hoff, and she has a cool book about the, it's called The War on Boys or The War Against Boys, um, and honestly, you know, then the subtitle in that book is, um, the subtitle on that book is How Misguided Feminism is Harming Our Young Men, and and again, it, a lot of it dives into that topic, how we've gone so far to not just make things equitable for ladies, but we've made it harder for boys. And, and, and you're starting to see some of this stuff in the school system. So um, check some of her stuff out. Maybe everyone needs to follow um, old girl Janet to maybe see if uh, she's somebody that we should bring on to the show. Jeremy, she's got um, – actually, as you brought her up to me, I kind of cruised um, my favorite social platform, um, the Instagram, and it's uh, boys.alive, um, and that's yep. Janet Allison. Check her out, guys, if that's someone you'd be interested in. Obviously, if you're paying attention, Jeremy and I talk a lot about our kiddos and um, not only just hunting, fishing, training, but how to raise our, our kids right and, and, you know, happy family. And I think um, bringing them up the right way is a big deal, man. That's uh, that's cool. So I'm going to dive into this. And, folks, why don't you do that as well, man? Um, 
be interested to see what you think. I know as a middle school teacher, um, I see it. I see a bunch of pent up kids. We've done a we've done an assignment in class recently where the kids are logging their time standing. They're logging their time being active, and it's it's um, it's atrocious. Um, our, some of our kids who don't have PE classes, they get a thirty minute lunch where they can spend half of it outside, and it's about fifteen minutes playing. Some of them don't even take it. Some do, and then. Outside of that, they have their passing periods, uh, going to first period, um, going to second period, all the way up through going to the bus. So there's seven of those. So seven times four, 28 minutes there, plus 30 minutes. That's an optional period. So at best, in a six and a half hour school day, our kids are active, and we only define active in our school by standing. Um, some of our kids are only active for 58 of those minutes, if that, and um you know, if they have PE, they get another hour on that, and um, it's it's just bad. Um, so, man, I'd be super interested in this. I think it's really cool, really cool topic, man. So, yeah, I did too. And 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 the bummer thing about all of that suppressing the kids in these classrooms and doing that, and then you have a kid that has high energy. Excuse me. <clears throat> and then we're in a society that just loves labeling everything. So this kid has high energy, uh-huh. and they say, "Hey, well, no, he's ADD." Yeah. It's like, no, man, he's, th- this kid has yeah. a lot of energy. He's got to let it out. And then they, then the teachers, the principal, the doctors, everybody convinces the parents, no, he's got this disorder, quote unquote, and then they medicate this guy and then he goes into a coma and then what, you know, huh. and what do we have on the rise right now? Yeah. Opiate, the opiate uh, epidemic. So, I mean... Yeah, and I it think, really needs to stop, man. I think what you're getting into is we're just building these weird chemical dependencies, right? So <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. you start setting that trend at eight, twelve years old. That's a major problem. And I, I honestly, even the hard, even the hard cases in my classes, I feel for man. And um, it's it's rough. Um, don't like it, but you know what? Um, complaining's not a strategy. So what we no. what we need to end up doing here is. Um, you know, think of ways to get them active. In my classroom, I, I start every day with a name game where they're up on their feet. We throw a ball around. Um, I started a small unit where I take one day a week and we go out to the track and we're we're logging um, we're logging uh, we're logging miles. And the goal is to incorporate some math. I mean, you try to incorporate movement where you can. I mean, there's lots of cool resources. Stand Up Kids um, is a cool website where you can go look at little four minute brain teasers where you get the kids active. Um, and jumping around at their desk, I've utilized that stuff. So get out there. A, Say that. Oh, sorry. No, go. Oh, sorry. Cool. No. Well, and it's a good thing for adults. Oh, everybody to kind of do yeah. it too. Kind of have, we've talked about that in the in some of our podcasts too. Is just yeah. getting up and moving around and just stimulating the brain. Well, I mean, hell, yesterday, a couple of days ago, I did a post with my daughter where. You know, everyone wants to also blame technology for a lot of this stuff. But I was watching my daughter read a book, and we were in the waiting room. My my other daughter was doing a speech therapy session, and she was lazy with her posture. So it's not the book. It's not the devices. It's bad habits get sunk in, and bad habits usually associate with just being lazy and easy. So I, I told Charlie, sit tall, and she postured right up, right? So um, it, it's whatever you can do to find the best position where you're not question marked and you're not you know, sedentary and you're not, you know, do what you can to not be just dropping chemicals and, and, um, you know, pills down your throat to, to, to find homeostasis. You got to find it yourself. So, um, whoo, 
Hey, brother, we got into it thick and heavy. Um, <laughs> we sure did. Old Janet's well, going to have a good time on this show. Everybody will find out. You and I are very passionate about kids and the next generation coming up because, yeah. I mean, those that are next hunters, they're our next workers, they're our next everything, and, and, and they're our legacy, right? Yeah. So, well, let's think about one other thing they're going to be our next of. They, they, a lot of them should be our next soldiers. And, you know, in, in these hunter-gatherer communities, those useful, active kids, they were put in the field. They were fighting. They were playing. They were doing their thing. And they, some of those kids, were more than not, were harnessed into being warriors. And now we're, we're suppressing all that in them. And, um, oh, man, it's, it's, it's no bueno. Um, but... But uh, you know, you know, get them into sports, get them where you can. I mean, not not to make it a complete downtrodden situation, but you know, a lot of people are getting their kids in sports and stuff. It's just you have to find a way to balance out what these schools, you know, including my own, are doing to these boys, which is not good. I mean, six and a half hours a day, we're we're forcing high energy kiddos to be uh, docile, um, quiet, uh, sedentary. Um, compliant all the time you know I, I think that there's a good use to not be compliant sometimes if you want to stand up for something stand up for it so um all these things we're forcing onto these boys and um and girls in particular the youth in general are in a tough spot and i can't say that our school systems are doing great jumping back into these public schools has been a been an interesting eye-opener for me so um upward and on on that one um <laughs> this yeah. isn't a this isn't a uh you know we're gonna try and stay away from uh We'll, we'll we'll bring Janet on. I think that's a, that yeah, would be really be fun. On. So be on the lookout for that, guys. But check out Boys Alive. Um, and in the meantime, do what you can to to make sure your boys are um, alive and doing their thing. But um, hey, we we um we got just got back. Uh, a great. We're gonna we're gonna relive and recount um, a really cool uh, hunting camp that we just got back from. Um, and to set the the tone for that, not to abruptly switch gears, but Jeremy, I want to play a little game with you. Okay. Can we do it? Absolutely. Are you ready? <laughs> uh, it's it's going to be um, it's going to be creative uses for the word pluck. Pluck. Yeah. What the pluck are you talking about? Very good. You know how to play. Um, I <laughs> like to pluck. You like to pluck. <laughs> it was pretty plucking crazy watching you do that the whole for an hour on your knees. Uh, yeah. Um, you plucking kids better get off my yard. Get the pluck out of here. <laughs> well, if you uh, yeah, there it goes. I think that's enough. Uh, very good. Uh, send us send us your freight your favorite. Um, but uh, we uh we had a successful turkey camp, which was cool. And um, uh, uh Jeremy was a little taken aback when I wanted to uh. Uh, get my bird naked and um, get after it. Uh, but uh, it was a it was a great experience, man. Jeremy, we had a good time. Uh, we went out. Um, we went out somewhere. We can't give you the exact spot, but we went out somewhere um, where Mount Hood was in plain view most of the day, and um, we we pulled a critter out of the woods, man. It was um it was a fun weekend. It was a fun weekend. And what happened, Joe? What did you get this year? Well. Uh, I am not a guy trying to hunt anymore. I uh, I got to notch um got to notch my first tag. I got to uh, put my first critter down, and um, I got to say, man, it was uh it was a cool thing to do. It was the last thing I needed to do to see if I was um if if I was all in on this hunting situation. To be perfectly honest with you, um, being on your hunt last year and um, 
carving and packing up that the, that cow elk was really cool and having been on a couple successful deer hunts and um, been around other folks getting animals you know it was kind of comfortable with the situation but you know you never know how you're going to handle it until you're put in that situation and I have to say um, I was pleasantly surprised with my reaction to putting an animal down I was um, pleasantly surprised with my um, reaction to an animal walking within striking distance as well and um it, it was it was awesome and i have to say that the thing i need to do most is, is, is give you a big thank you for that man because nothing nothing's done alone and um you called that bird in and um you put us on that you put us on that uh that gobbler and uh it was awesome man thank you oh you're welcome man it, it was a hoot it was fun to to see the the surprise look on your face after the shot and mm-hmm. The, the emotions that you were going through is kind of interesting how as a, a guy on the outside looking on another fella that just the whole persona that's given off after a shot and especially a guy that just got his first animal like he, he was like registering for like three minutes you were sitting there going what just happened what you know yeah well it, it, it was a lot of fun and, and you did it all with the smile on your face uh-huh. one shot and um yeah, it was pretty impressive, man. Well, it happened so fast. Um, we should retell what happened. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Let's let's, uh, let's see if we can spitball this thing back and forth. I'll uh, I'll take the opener. So, okay. uh So just to set it up, you know, we did what all good hunters should do. What we've talked about is we got out the tent early, um, not as early as we wanted, in particular on that day, but uh, good. I mean, we were we were out the tent by four thirty, um, uh, trying to hit the road. Um, and as we're as we're walking the road to a spot that we had scouted the day before, where we wanted to listen, um, uh, to was it two toms started going off? We know at least yeah. we know at least one was going off uh, to our left as we were approaching our our kind of um, our listen spot um, in the middle of this meadow. Um, but but then from there it was game on. Yep, absolutely. Got up in there and. Um... We posted up, put the decoys up, thought we'd try that, and um, he he was fired up. But yeah, that first talking called, step, we, yeah that first talking session went for what fifteen minutes? Oh, easily, yeah, fifteen yeah. to maybe it might have been thirty. I mean, time goes by pretty quick when you have something goblin like that, and then um, then we had to then he 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 left us. He got quiet, right? Yeah, he got quiet, and I think. More than anything, he went to go get water. It was it was pretty warm, and then um, then we went into what the born and raised guys say. We went on the cat road shuffle. That's how kind of how we turkey hunt as well. And we did a big loop. And we posted yeah. up for a little bit. We posted up for a little bit. We were we posted up for about a half hour, and then we went over. Where yeah, and then we went over to another section, and then we hung out there for a little bit, and then we kind of looped back around, and then. When we were looping back around, we were at the fork in the road, basically, and um, throughout a yelp. And then what? And then what happened there, Joe? Well, then, yeah, there were there were two two went off. So I think it was our the one we ended up uh, getting uh, ended up gobbling to our left, and then there was another one that kind of cut off one of your calls. That we never located this second um, Tom, but I I want to say that second one going off kind of. Uh, put a little juice in the one that we ended up bagging um, because it was a different sort of gobble he was putting out there. And, um, you know, instantly 
um, I felt a different little energy where he was coming. He was coming in hot. He was. And so we started, uh, this was where I kind of was like, okay. And this is honestly when, when that situation, when those two Toms were kind of competing for each other, against each other for, you know, the supposed hen that they heard out. Uh, uh, this is where I had to kind of lean on your experience a bit because, you know, when we heard the gobbles, I was a little surprised because when we had heard them before, we kind of played it slow. And then that time, you were like almost sprinting through the woods. And I, I want to ask you, you know, what was the difference in, in the two situations and, and what what made you post up on the first set of uh, chatter and then the second set of chatter was like, no, we got to go. Well, the first one, uh, it was early in the morning. He flew out of the roost. And what I've known historically, what, what I've experienced historically is that they'll fly out of the roost, then they'll kind of mill around a little bit and then they'll come into you. Plus, we didn't really know exactly where the roosting tree were. So we didn't, I didn't want to get too close in there. And then he see us, um, tromping through the woods. And so we, we just had to post up and then try to bring him in the first time. On the second time, he was fired up and he was, he just kept gobbling. And so we would, I, my theory is you close the distance when you have something gobbling like that. Cause you could tell kind of how loud, by how loud he is, you can tell how far he is. Sure. So we close that distance. And with that, we're doing a little bit of yelping, which lets him know that the hen's coming into him and that she's interested and the outcome on that was every time we would hen call, he would gobble one to three times. He was like, pick me, pick me, pick me, right? <laughs> yeah. And so we got that distance. And then when I got, and I just kind of went with my gut and I felt like, hey, this is a good shooting lane. I think he'll come through here. And then had you post up and then kind of I'll let you go from there. Yeah, it was wild because the setup was unbelievable. I mean, and you hear so much, whether it's elk or or turkey and a lot of it when you get to talking with these guys is setting up in a good spot and you know i don't know if you as fast as we got in i don't know if you saw the the little pinch point where he was going to come in or i don't know if i um conjured him to that spot or we both did um hoping that this is where he'd come in but i mean he literally came in exactly where um i thought he was going to come in i mean it's where i had the um it's where i had the barrel pointed um and uh that's i mean as soon as he popped in the bead was on him um and i know there was a moment to just to, to figure out where is uh you know had to identify the beard first um but you know he came in right at that spot and it, 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 it was it was it was textbook and uh, it was cool what happened i mean because you know in a matter of two or three minutes it was quiet then we heard the gobble then we had set up and then we had taken the shot and um there's a couple of statements that just are in my head. As soon as we set up, I, mean, I remember you saying, uh, <laughs> and it happened this quick, back into that tree. I see him. Get your gun up. And then it was, you know, plouch. Boom. I mean, <laughs> it just happened. And there was a second where um, there was a moment of hesitation for me because though when he did come in, he was, he was behind a rock for a moment. But the thing that I also remember from that is uh, he came in red hot. Like I, I'll just, I remember just seeing black and red. And then I remember seeing the rock he was kind of behind. Um, and you had let up, let out, let out a call or something had made him uh, switch his head. And when he had kind of rotated his head over, he cleared that rock. And um, 
uh, there was a great shot and, and, and a good opportunity. And, um, we, we, uh, we squeezed, uh, we made the bang and, um, old boy buckled. And then, uh, we had to go over there and seal the deal on him and, uh, uh, end it quick. And, um, then the pack out begun, but man, it was awesome, man. I, I have to say between the calling and the setup, uh, you, you put me in a, um, in an unbelievable situation that worked out really well. Well, yeah, it, it was pretty awesome because that was the only action we had as far as gobbling for four days. And I figured out that we probably did about almost 75 miles in four days. Yeah, we covered. I mean, the one day we were on the mountain bikes and did 20 for sure. And that was just the, the uh-huh. afternoon loop. Um, so we were we were we were covering ground, man. Um, and I was I was talking to some folks about it. Do you think um, I mean, honestly, uh, the weather was unbelievable Friday morning. Um, it was crispy. It wasn't too hot. But man, it warmed up. Do you think um, do you think that it was pressure or, or weather combination of both that got things really quiet? I think it was a combination of both. I mean, they've been pressured for three weeks before we even got there, sometimes four weeks, depending on if the youth how much youth hunt, um, mm. pressure they got. So, um, yeah, they got pressured and then, yeah, it just got really, really hot. And, um, it, it's tough that to tell what, what was really going on. I mean, we called in one hen and that, I mean, that was afternoon, a lot of ground. Yeah, that was afternoon one. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to tell, but that's my suspicion is that pressure, the heat and, um, and they, they could have been hinned up. They could have had one or two hens. I kind of think that our Tom might've had one or two hens and then they left them. And that's why he left us the first time Hmm. if it was that guy in, but yeah, it's. Man, hunting, it's so hard. You could just think it to death and spend, you know, sleepless nights thinking about the why and what and how. And sometimes it's just, it's just the way it goes. Drive you crazy, right? Um, and, but honestly, that's, it's, it makes it fun. I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of the joy behind notching the first tag had to do with the fact that it's been a five year journey to do it. You know what I mean? And within the heart is, um, within the heart is where you'll hit that reward. You know what I mean? And, um, it was super cool and, um, to do it with a buddy and to have a buddy to help you and, and to do it, um, in such a beautiful place, uh, was awesome. I mean, that, that was the other thing about where we were hunting. And I mean, we always had hope, right? Because we kept, we kept coming across great habitat. Like, like yeah. there were unbelievable pockets. I mean, um, you know, the, the, what we were working is just, um, you know, we were publicly accessible private timberland, right? And uh, yep. they do a really good job. I mean, I'll be honest with you that the I was just, I, you know, people want to talk a bit about Washington manage thing, managing things wrong in terms of these critters, but I, I'll be honest. I mean, the, the folks working this, um, this private timberland seem to be doing it right. I mean, we saw, aside from the turkey we put down and the hen we called in, um, you know, there, there was a kind of limited turkey sign, but, but we came across it, but man, there was a ton. We saw, I can't even tell you how many deer we saw. Um, we saw that, um, we saw that small herd, that, that little, that little pocket of those four, um, what we were thought were almost black elk, um, how dark they were, how dark yeah, they were. Yeah, pretty colored. wild. And then, you know, at the basin of the mountain, we saw that giant herd driving in of about, you know, 38 to 50 elk, um, and honestly, the other thing is all the predator sign we saw. I mean, the animals, 
the animals seemed to be thriving in that area. And from what I saw, the, the habitat that instead we just kept having hope because we kept walking into these cool little clear cuts, these cool little pockets, these cool little streams and these neat little meadows and these big, great timber areas. Like everywhere we walked seemed to be great habitat. There was water in good spots. Um, it seemed to be a great playground for the critters. Yeah, there was a lot of bear sign. One big old boar, huh? Oh. I mean, <laughs> I was like, holy smokes. Yeah, there was a ton. The bear sign was interesting. The bear sign's always interesting to come across. Um, so, um, but but it was We fun. had a bear come right through about 100 to 150 yards from our camp. Was that Saturday morning? Yeah, when we were walking back on the road, we saw that big paw print. Um, uh, yeah, on, it, the, on the road right by our... In the dust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he might have been. And they weren't there in the morning. He might have been he might have been sniffing through my turkey feathers. You never know. Um but uh <laughs> but it was fun. You know, I brought all those feathers home. You know, my thought was to I I brought I brought a bunch of the feathers home, uh put them in a bag. Uh, I I figured the kids could use them for uh for their Thanksgiving Day projects at school next year. Uh I brought the beard home. We got the talons. I, I clipped the wings. I have the the fan. Uh, and it was cool, you know, even bringing the bird home and I made it a point to, even when I brought, um, some of the, the, the deer quarters that you had, uh, passed along to me, but I love to bring that stuff home and break it down in front of the kids just so they can see again, you know, this is an animal daddy pulled it out, you know, pulled it out of the woods. Um, this is how you break it down. This is what meat, meat looks like, uh, before it looks like meat. So that was cool for them. Um, the kids all took a turkey feather to school and showed their teachers, which was neat. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it, it was, it is cool, man. I'm still, I'm still um, reveling in it. You know what I mean? So, um, it, it was, yeah, I have a tradition with my kids. Well, I did when they were younger. When I got back from a hunt and I was successful, I always had a very elaborate story on how I got the animal, <laughs> awesome. and it was never with my weapon. Because I thought, you know, when I tell them that I got them with a weapon, when I can tell them I got it with my bare hands, and dad is super tough. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. So I got this 450-pound black bear over in Oregon one year. I mean, the damn thing was huge. And my my son goes, how did you get it? And I said, well, son, I saw it licking ants out of a tree, which I did. I mean, that's when I shot it. And I snuck up on him, and I grabbed a rattlesnake just before I got to him. And I got and jumped on his back and I beat his ass and forced him to go to my camp. And I guided him all the way to camp. And when I got to camp, I took my knife, right, boom, <laughs> downed him right there so we didn't have to pack him out. Unbelievable. So you're you, like, oh, my gosh, Dad, you're awesome. That's a pretty tough image. A grown man walking a leashed, a rattlesnake leashed black bear into camp. Um, and, yeah. Talk about shit in a brick. Um <laughs> <laughs> Excuse the language, folks. But if you're going to tell a story, it might as well be a big one. But, you know, hey, it, the kids love it. I mean, they're yeah, just, you know, they're waiting for every word when you have a story like that. Like, oh, my gosh. And then, you know, when I get my when I got an elk or when I got a deer, I'd always come home with a, a story on how I guided them into camp and finished them off. So I didn't have to pack them out. I love it. That's awesome. And uh, you bring up a cool word tradition. Um, there was another tradition in camp that uh, I had to break. Well, not break, but I guess I won it. You have the uh, the Brian the Brian Adams uh, uh, Turkey Koozie Award. Um, you've been the longstanding uh, holder of the Brian Adams, uh, not Brian Adams uh, Summer '69 Brian Adams, Brian Adams um, Jeremy's friend Brian Adams. 
Uh, yes. but, uh, but, uh, I guess Brian here had given you this koozie and, um, the, the rule is the, the first guy to get the turkey in camp gets the koozie. Yep, exactly. And I think it's been standing for 17 or 18 years and I've had that cup for 15 or 16 of those years, Joe. I've only given up that cup to two people. Do you know their names still? Benny Honnell <laughs> and <laughs> Joe Shamanic. There it is. I love it. Well, you know, I almost... I'm going to get my mug back next year, Joe. Yeah, I I felt like I should have um, <laughs> cut it in half because, you, you know, you put a lot of work into helping me get that. And But I think that's every hunt, you know, unless you're out there soloing it. But even if you do solo it, I mean, they're, they're, you've, you've had a lot of support to set that up. And it's always... It's always better together, right? So, um, yeah. Well, and it's it, it and it, it like you were saying earlier, it takes a team effort, and yeah. I can call that bird in, and every scenario is perfect, and then you can blow the shot because you're not prepared for it. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's still a lot of stuff that can go on. So, I mean, well, even too, like when we were at that road, you know, we heard two birds. And there was a moment where we took a couple steps right. And then it was like, no, 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 no. I was like, I think, I really think we should go left, right? So even in that, even in that situation, there, there was just, I, I thought what was the coolest thing about that, that, that hunt and that particular moment where we did put the bird down was there was a lot that happened really fast without a ton of verbal communication. Right. You know what exactly. I mean? It just kind of it kind of settled in. I think we it was cool. It's cool to it's cool that when you can see a partnership, I guess, kind of manifest itself in success in that way with where you know it, where everything works out right. You know, and it hasn't always been that way, but um, you know, in this particular case, it, it did, and it it was cool to feel that success. It was it was cool to have it go right, and um, it, it it's cool now to be a part of the Brian Adams Turkey Koozie Club. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know how, how about yeah, that how about pretty... that putting that on a t-shirt right uh <laughs> <laughs> i'm part of the brian adams turkey club yeah well and you know it's been a great tradition because i mean the mug is pretty cool and uh every year i would just show up just with it just proud as could be i mean it brian is it does a great job on the on Really thinking of people and and the whole thing. We'll have him on the podcast one of these days. He's a big. Um, he's really heavy into upland game, and he's um, has some visualists, and um, he's a judge, and he does a lot of stuff. So more towards the bird hunting season of October cool. and beyond, we'll have him on. But be awesome. He's a great guy, man. Funny as I'll get up. So well, then too, to continue on this tradition talk. Um, I would say uh, bringing something to the table um, is getting you to consider eating organ meats, right? Uh, when you killed uh, when you killed your black yep. when you killed your black tail this year, I was like, ah, let's let's gut this one. I'd, I'd really like to get at the heart and 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 liver, and I brought that home. But then this year in turkey camp, um, after I plucked my bird. Um, uh, when we pulled out, you know, when, when we, yeah, when we, when we cleaned her, oh, excuse me, when we cleaned him, not her, uh, when we cleaned him, um, we pulled the, uh, the heart and liver out and, uh, that was your first, uh, your turkey offal. And what'd you think of that, sir? Dude, that stuff was so good. It was unbelievable. I was like, holy smokes. And what did I tell you afterwards? Yeah, that's what I was saying. New traditions started I am never as well. Going to, 
not. New tradition started. Yeah. I am. <laughs> you said you said I'm going to take the heart and liver out of that bird. Yeah, you said I think you said I'm never yeah. not going to eat that again. Right? So, um no, it was awesome. It was super clean. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so what I had done is in camp um you know, uh, what we had done was I pulled the heart and the liver out and uh just kind of diced it and then I uh fried up some onions and uh salt and pepper, right? And uh it was a great, I mean, it was a great little appetizer for the, um, for the day. And, uh, it, it's fun to do that. And to me, you know, wh- whether you're plucking the bird and bringing, you know, the talents home and, and as trophies to share with the kids and then maybe, you know, make things out of, or, you know, you're, you're going to, uh, you know, pull the, the organs out. But to me, like when you caring for the meat and, and, and doing what you can to, uh, memorialize the critter i think uh brings a lot of honor um brings uh um it it you know and then you re- you remember those memories and um you know it goes into more than just saying i got the bird and and eating it it's just it, it's 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 cool to be able to to relive the situation again and again and again even in the short time that it's happened it's all it's been fun to tell the tale multiple times already Right. And and, in traditions like what you're talking about have been around for a really long time. My um, grandfather over in Idaho was part Native American and he he told me, he goes, son, when you shoot your first deer, you have to drink its blood. (laughs) And I was like, I am not ever going to hunt ever because I was scared of it. Right. And um, I never was able to harvest an animal with him around, and I never have drank the blood. But his other thing is, and then when you get your animal, you have to eat the liver raw. Mm. And so he would always go into the village over in Shoshone and over in in the community that he lived in. And um, he'd walk into the tavern eating raw liver after he shoots a deer. And just people are dry heaving and everything all over the place. But... He was doing it in honor of the animal, and then it brings the good luck for the next year. I love so, it. Well, you should have told me that yeah. out in the field. I'd have got that thing out. But now uh, I just kind of <laughs> remember the story. Yeah. Well, you know, people do first blood, and they'll, you know, that first one. You know, whether you know you, you you take a little mark and you mark your, your you mark yourself with it, whatever. I mean, it's interesting stuff. Whatever you have to do. Um, you know, I think those traditions are fun, and some people can scoff at them and say it's a you know it's a it's an ego thing, but um, I, I don't think it is that. I think it's more of a it's a it's honoring the whole situation. It's honoring the guy that helped you. It's honoring the animal. Um, you know, it's remembering the story. And and you know, some people, even some of the kids at school, when they asked about it, and then I'll be kind of graphic about it at the end. Uh, you know, shot it in the face. You know, dead. <laughs> and and then they're like, ew, that's gross. That's mean. And I'm like, you know, it's probably the best death that that thing that that turkey was going to get, you know, and the fact that I can, yeah. And I can sit here and remember it with my family, um, that I'll bring some of the trophies home and those feathers that, you know, that Turkey now is part of the family. I don't think I'll, you know, hell or high water. I'm keeping that fan somewhere where I'm going to see it every day. You know what I mean? (laughs) Nice. And then I look at somebody, I'm like, what would have been better for that Turkey? You know, for some, you know, for some black bear to grab it and, you know, eat it and pull its guts out while it was still screaming. I mean, come on. So, and right. then no one knows about it. So, you know, you know, I think people can do what they want. And I just, you know, you don't have to put a moral judgment on me because you don't agree with how I did it. You know what I mean? So 
Interesting stuff. Well, yeah, and traditions are fun when you add a little competition into it, right? Like oh, Brian yeah. Adams' mug, right? You, you want to be the first one to get that mug. I mean, every year my goal was to get a turkey and get the mug. <laughs> and it's a goofy little koozie. It's not. Even, it's, it is. It's just. It's a cool goofy little mo- <laughs> koozie. It's just, you know, and then yeah, it doesn't have to be an expensive thing. And I've heard of a, I've heard a couple other traditions where like. Um, you know, like a father and son will go out and they'll have $3 on the line, you know, first biggest and, um, uh, well, let's see other thing, whatever, but you have, you can have these little side bets, you know, who gets the first one, you know, who gets the biggest one. And maybe if you're fishing, it's who gets the most. Right. So, um, and it's cool to just pass those dollars around and, and, and whatever you have to do in those camps. But uh, no, I love it, man. Um, and again, it's just something to talk about. It's something to give you a little bit of hope in, at camp and uh, something to have fun with, which we had a ton of it. Oh, yeah, it was a blast. Cool. And then the only bummer is what's that? Is my stinking heels. Oh, man. So if you guys I did listen- it, Joe, I didn't do my due diligence. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say if you I guys- didn't do what I. Go ahead. No, we've listened. If you guys have listened to past shows, and you should uh, go back and check out our one about boots, um, and we discuss um, break your boots in, get them broken in. And um, Jeremy, I don't think you had broken your boots in properly, sir. I I didn't. I got overly <laughs> confident and excited with my boots because I'd put like eight or ten miles on them, and I didn't get a blister. Well, you got a couple. But of I big did. Ones. <laughs> on mile on mile twenty two, I got a blister. Mm. How are your? How, and it might be a record breaker. Yeah, you had two pretty net. You had two gnarly. Uh, your heels were pretty gnarly, man. And uh, um, I couldn't. I I was. You know, you, you gutted it out, though. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I was pretty proud of you uh, for for gutting that out and walking through it. But um, yeah, pretty rough heels. How are they how are they sitting now? Yeah, they're pretty good. I mean, they're taped up right now with my socks on because I can't wear shoes. But um, <laughs> they're uh, they're doing good. Well, you did you use? Well, the, you know what's interesting? And and did I, did I use what? No, I was gonna say, did you, did you use the heels as an excuse to get uh, uh, old girl to rub your feet a little bit? Oh no, man! I <laughs> nobody can touch the bastards. They hurt. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> And my wife, she'd probably take her nail on it. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, what was interesting, and 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 we talked about it in the podcast when we talked about boots, is that um, how uh, it affects everything else in your body. And to be honest with you, my calf hurts worse than the injury mm. because of how much I favored the left leg or the left heel because the left heel was it's the worst and, and it does it every year. And, and that's where I'm stupid is that in any boots that I ever wear, my left one always blisters up at the first couple times I wear my boots. Mm. <clears throat> well, I mean, injuries. And, so they have just, it, the, the injuries have a way of just working up or downstream, right? I mean, you're not going, things aren't going to be perfect. Uh, and when you, you, you start to do funny things in your, in your gate to compensate for things, um, the result could be what you had, just kind of um, a tough, a tough, uh, a tough, a tough, uh, excuse me, tough calf. And then you said it even started to creep up into your hip a little bit, right? Yeah, it creeped up into the, yeah, up into my thigh and or the, my hamstring and up into my hip a little bit. And 
and then I just had to just say, screw it and bear the pain and try to walk normal. And that's, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. I wasn't going to give up and let my hunting partners down, but I, I definitely wasn't as comfortable as I was hoping I would be. Well, and you bring up a situation. I mean, we were on a game day situation, right? We've put a couple few weeks of thought and training into being good at turkey camp, right? Um, yep. And, and yeah, we were comfortable going into it, maybe didn't do your due diligence, but, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't foresee every scenario and you and you have to hopefully just do your best in training to have created adaptations that are going to let you get through camp. And you did that, you know what I mean? And, and you got through it and you got it up and now, now's the time to sort it out, for, recover for a moment, uh, heal it up, uh, fix what's going on. And, you know, with training, the, the thought needs to be clearing up these asymmetries you know um one thing i'd suggest for you and this is a suggestion for everybody there's a cool thing you could do called a fms screen have you ever heard of this jeremy no uh-uh. the fms screen look it up it's a functional movement screen and it's something that a lot of these um you know i think uh like the nfl draft will do it a lot of these draft guys do it. you, you pretty much walk, work through a couple of simple exercises like an overhead squat there's a core drill um uh, a different pressing pattern but at the end of the score, you get a score from 0 to 21. And if you have a particular score in any one particular thing, it could be a precursor for injury. If if your total score is um, below a certain number, you're definitely going to get an injury. And um, it's a really cool movement screen to just see where you're deficient and where it really picks things up more than anything is if you have what's called an asymmetry, where um, if you know, if you cut us in half, um, right up the gut, um, same way that I kind of did the Turkey. Um, (laughs) if you, if you do that, you know, we're, we're pretty much the same on either side. Well, with, with that symmetry in structure, you should also have symmetry in movement. Um, and then what the functional movement screen is picks up where there is not symmetry. Cause even if you are dysfunctional, it's better to have similar dysfunction on both sides than to have, really good function on one side and poor function on the other. And that's where you can see kind of a, it's very noticeable when you see somebody limp, right? And then when you limp on one side, you compensate here and you do funny things. So yeah. um, it might be something to do, man. If you find a good physical therapist who who could, sometimes they'll, they'll proactively do these screens in the army and in all kinds of situations, like I said, in the NFL draft, but it might be worth your time, Jeremy. And, um, but to be perfectly honest, if it's not worth your time, um, I would probably say that you have some sort of, um, you know, you're probably lacking some sort of flank flexion and extension in one of your ankles. That's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And what you can do for that is get, you know, one of these super bands and um, strap it up to something stiff behind you and get some tension on that band where that the front of that band is really raking on your ankle. And then what you'll do is keep your heel flat and just press your knee forward. Um you know, in fact, the, the simple test that you could do right now to see if you do have ankle deficiency is if you if you put your if you face a wall and if you get two hand lengths away from the wall, keep your foot flat. Your knee should be able to touch the wall, and if you can't, you're lacking um, you're lacking you're lacking ankle flexion, and you should work on that. So okay, and what was the name of that? that uh, you called it. Yeah, look up Gray Cook and functional movement screen. Uh, he's he's yeah. Uh, FMS, Gray Cook FMS. And yeah, everybody should do that. You know, um, you know, yeah, I think you should have good stiff boots to protect you, especially if you're 
um, working through some tough timber and whatnot, but you should also do your due diligence and, and a great place to start any mobility is with your ankle because, you know, your feet are connected to the floor. If you have an ankle deficiency in any bit, it's only going to play itself out in bad knees, bad hips, bad back. So um, I like to start from the floor up um, regarding any mobility practice. So uh, check that out, man. Um, maybe we'll we'll find a way to post a video um, when this releases and link it at least to that. That um, It's a pretty common drill. Uh, you, know, you can go to a mobility wad source and find it. I have a version of it. Um, good physical therapist buddy of mine, Danny Matei out of Atlanta, Athletes Potential, shout out. Um, he he has a version of it, um, but a lot of people do. Uh, Greg Cook has a version of it. But, yeah, you're just trying to find uh, dorsiflexion and uh, doing a distraction with uh, that super band can be really helpful. But, um, yeah, having a, having a good physical therapist run you through FMS is good. But, honestly, you know, to some degree, I think all humans should be able to perform that basic maintenance. And, again, another shout-out, that would be to Kelly Starrett and Mobility Wild. I mean, his supple leopard books, that's what he's promoting. You know what I mean? Um, you you should be able to do some basic maintenance and recognize um, some simple tests. And even if you don't have a test in particular that comes from a physical therapist, you could just use any movement. You know, if you can't squat, you know, ass to grass and keep your heels flat on the ground and your back straight, you know, that's a test in itself. And then you should do what you can to make sure you can. So in this particular case regarding your ankles, um, that simple wall test is is easy. You know, again, uh, two hand widths away from the wall. Put your toes um, against your hand and then keep your heel flat and try and drive your knee to the wall. If, you're, if your knee can't touch that wall, um, you are deficient. And the degree to which you can't touch that wall, you are more deficient. Um, it's just, it is what it is, and you should fix it. Oh, that sounds good. I'm going to try it. Cool. Well, sweet, man. And then the last thing on traditions, um, <laughs> and we have a tradition of going down crazy tangents, but again, here we are, <laughs> little hunt, little training. Um, but let, let's give a little shout out to how to live your life here a little bit, because I think we also started a new tradition aside aside from... You know, Jeremy, I'm not a real big, I'm not real big on grip and grin photos, to be honest with you. I just, yeah, uh, me neither. Um, I, uh, you know, I took them uh, for me, but I, I, there's always something social media wise where I don't like to see them posted. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not putting a moral judgment on anyone who does it. I'm just saying, um, I, I, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if I bring, um, I don't know if I bring a lot of honor to the animal by, you know, um, posting, uh, posting posting them dead with me smiling behind them um but uh that said uh, i'll say this i was very proud of my last grip and grin that i did take um of of the uh of camp where um do you want to tell folks what the trophy was um i am having a brain fart here on the oh, trophy you forget you forget i forgot dude well, what were we collecting uh, in the woods. Oh, that's right. Um, so on our walks and in the woods, we collected the almighty garbage. Yeah. There... That other people have left behind. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Cause everything leaves sign, right? I mean, we said we, yes. we saw a ton of, we talked, we saw a ton of, uh, we saw a ton of scrapes, right? Uh, we saw a ton of tracks. We saw a ton of scat and, and other things that critters left behind. But, um, we even saw a ton of, we even came across a, um, an old, um, 
an old homestead, right? Yeah. Um, which was cool. So there's always sign left behind of all critters in the woods, including humans. Um, but it was particularly egregious to see in these awesome, pristine places where you don't think humans have been or you don't think people go. We can't find it trash. Aluminum cans, candy wrappers, um, uh, uh, gun casings. Um, man, I found, we found, a, I think we found an old box spring. At one point, we walked up on a, on an oven and a washer and a dryer. And I was like, yeah. how the from hell? The fit, from the 60s. Yeah, how the, <laughs> who packed this back here? Yeah. Um, so, but in that regard, again, complaining not being a strategy, um, we kept coming up with this idea of leave it, leave it better than we found it. Right. Um, so rather than complain about it, um, we, we hauled out a pile of it, you know, and whatever I could fit in my pockets, um, uh, I, from time to time would just grab it and pull it out. And I think, um, I think that that's an easy tradition that all hunters or anyone who enjoys the outside should do, you know, rather than just gripe that people are throwing things out. Why don't we just talk it up? You know, what, what I kept saying in my head, Jeremy was, you know what? The person packed it out. They put it in their pack and it fell out that someone just made a mistake. Um, yes. And I'll, I'll clean it up for them. You're right. So, so I got your back. Yeah. So I got your back. So yeah, I got your back. And, and in a way saying, I got your back. Um, told Mother Nature and the units that you like to hunt is to just say, you know what? However small the effort, if I pack out this trash, I'm going to leave it better than I found it. Yeah, and you don't have to make it, you don't have to do it to where you're, you know, you pack out every piece of trash out there, but maybe make a goal that I'm, you know, this year I'm going to pack out 10 items out of the woods in the five days I'm there. So that would be two a day. Yeah. That's right. It. I mean, just pick up a little bit. I mean, we're not saying that it's a, you go out there and you got your 50 gallon garbage bag and you're picking up all the garbage. No, it's just if every hunter did their part and picked up whatever garbage they can, those 10 pieces a year. Yeah. Just or it per every hunt. Imagine how much cleaner the woods would be. It all adds up, right? It's it's it all adds up. It might, you know, I mean, look. It's not the it's not ten thousand straws that are getting shoved up one turtle's nose. It's the one, right? You know what I mean. Yep. So I mean, things happen, right? I mean, so get get it up if you see it, try it. You know what I mean. And um, I, I think that'd be a cool thing. And 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 also, you know, give. I think by picking up the trash, um, it it might lead to more success for the next guy because maybe maybe the critter won't chew on the, the the aluminum can or that piece of plastic and choke out and that might be the one critter that might be one guy's first tag absolutely yeah. and it's just good karma all around they say i think so and you you can build it and again complaining is not a strategy you know i don't know who that guy was that you know accidentally let his um keystone light can fall out of his fall out of his backpack but um i'm happy every to, 50 feet <laughs> yeah i'm happy <laughs> Happy to have helped him out. And the other thing that we had done in that regard was just cleaning up camp, right? Um, yeah. You know, leave your camp, great. I mean, it's 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 really cool to come across a camp um, that has a great place uh, to set a fire, right? Where it's like, oh, there's a, there's a fire pit. That's a great place for camp. But it really sucks to come across a camp where, oh, there was a camp. There's all their beer cans. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, even and we always leave a. You know, I usually typically try to leave a gift every year too, which is a decent wood pile, 
for the next camper or somebody that comes around or, you know, basically just setting the next guy up for success on his camping trip. No, that was cool. And, um, we photoed the, uh, we'll show you what we, we'll show you what we did. Yeah. We, uh, rather than pack our wood out that we had, um, that we had uh, harvested, we just we just left it by the fire pit that someone else had built for us for the next guy. So, um, you know, try that, guys. I mean, uh, join us on the tradition of leaving leaving this place um, better than you found it. Um, uh, you know, and then I think that that could be a cool tradition that we could all get behind. You know, rather than hunters being guys that um, are going to shoot stop signs and drink beer in the woods and leave it, you know, for some mushroom picker to find. You know, why can't we be the guys that leave it better than we found it? You know what I mean? Like, just pick it up. I like that a lot. You know what I mean? So I, th- I think we, I think that that's something to get behind because um, it is a beautiful place and it can be great and it can be enjoyed forever if if we're stewards, not not just um, not just consumers, right? You know, to tie it back to your to your. Um, you know, to our industrial revolution discussion here, but a uh, good show, Jeremy, as we, uh, as we tie it up and do our after action review, um, which, uh, you know, just, just to give you guys a couple of the big hitter points, um, uh, for me, it's, uh, you know, get your boys active, um, take care of your hunting partners, uh, set up right, you know, do your due diligence on setting up, uh, and, uh, Start your own traditions. You know what I mean, Jeremy. Yeah. If you if you wanted these folks walking away um, with some tip top tips. Uh, oh, here's the last one. Test your ankles. Right, we gave you an ankle yeah. test in here too. So um, again, we'll we'll try and clip that in the show notes too. So uh, Jeremy, for you, as these guys as these guys get off onto their day and get out of their cars, um, as we review the podcast, what are the important points that they need to kind of think on? Well, I think one is, uh, you know. Raising our kids to be that next generation and uh, try to take care of our boys and, and get with the uh, boys alive. And uh, they also have a podcast um, that's called On Boys that's really good that kind of just listen to to gear you up to set those boys up for success for the rest of their life. Um, the other thing would be, uh, yeah, definitely do your due diligence, wear your boots a couple times before your hunt. <laughs> There you go. Um, so that you have... Don't just talk about doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, you guys, don't do as I... What, how's the saying go? Yeah, do as I do as I say, not as I do. There it is. <laughs> so that, I mean, that's a big one. And I was overly confident. So that confidence bit me in the ass mm. for sure. All right. So, well... And then uh, number three, just, you know... Leave it better than you found it. I love it. Well, the other thing that bit you in the ass a few times is uh, ticks. You, sir, I, I can't, you know, after, after, you better go get a checkup. Um, but, you know, after you, after you pulled three of those things off, yeah, and big nasty ones, I went home and big shower. I had, you know, I stripped down, called the wife up, did the spin in front of her, had, you know, what I mean? <laughs> you know, I was hoping, hoping it would lead to some hokey pokey, but. You know, we got three kids, didn't work out. But uh, still, I, I didn't have a single tick on me, sir. I know, man. Every year I get at least one. But All right, I know we- I love the look on your face when I was like, hey, is the, part of that tick in my neck still? And you're like, yeah. And I go, hey, we got to go get my knife. You got to dig that out. You're like, what? Yeah, it's the first surgery I've ever done. 
So <laughs> happy to do it. So you put I me on. You, you put me on turkeys, and I'm pulling ticks out your neck. That's a partnership, yeah. brother. All that right. is a partnership. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully, you guys are solidifying your partnerships, and we hope you have a, a great day. And um, think about it. Do something today that's going to help you train, hunt, and live the best life possible. Uh, Jeremy Day, um, happy to talk to you, and uh, have a great one, sir. All right, you too, man. God bless America. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode of Back country and barbells if you did please um head head on over to your itunes machine or however you're listening um to this podcast episode whether it's on the web on your device or on your computer please um take the next step and review it um share it tell your friends about it um also guys head on over to sendofet.org head on over to their web page and um support the mission any way you can with your time with your money um and with your sharing also guys pr lifting quality fitness gear here in the pacific northwest west check them out um quality gear we're swinging it lifting it throwing it around all in the hopes of training hunting and living the best lives possible until the next one guys take care and thank you very much